Yesterday was so cool, man. Uh, yes, Friday and Saturday were so cool because we got to see so many of you that we haven't seen for, for quite some time. We set up 11 to two and um, to hand out the little communion cups. And it was so fun seeing cars uh, come through and, and people roll their windows down. And it was weird the way it was like, y'all were driving up and we couldn't tell who you were because of the angle of every windshield and the way the sun was. We're just like, hey, like, who is that? I don't know, was, you know, and, and until you pulled up and rolled your window down and they're like, hey, you know, what's up? And we got to give you your palm branches and, and communion cups. And um, it was so fun to see. And I gotta tell you, we learned a couple of things. One, um, it, it was, at both services came, showed up. It was awesome. It was great. We had a bunch of deliveries and thank you to all the people who delivered. And I think we got a little over 600 of those little cups out there for communion. Um, but one of the things that I learned was um, the 11 o'clock is more likely to honk um, on their way up, just like bam, 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 make a lot of noise and like, Ooh, we're here, you know, and which kind of fits with who the 11 o'clock service really is. And, but the shocking thing was the nine o'clock service was more likely to speed through the parking lot. I mean, like, I, you 80 year old folks out there and, and it's more in the nine o'clock service, they were driving their age. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm 85, I can drive 85 anywhere I want. Just flying through. Uh, it was really comical to see, you know, little, little ladies like this flying over the speed bump. Like speed bumps no longer apply uh, when you're that age, apparently. Uh, or they were so worried about COVID, uh, they just wanted to get through very quickly. Um, but we, we had a great time, even yesterday, when it was freezing cold and, uh, and raining uncontrollably out there. We were out there uh, and, and loving it. And uh, we, we hung out in the school, new school office because uh, we had a little bit more shelter over there. But uh, it was great. And so thank you to everybody who helped pass those out. This week is Holy Week, right? So we're, we're rolling up into next Sunday, which is Easter Sunday. And so there's a couple of things I want you to know about this Wednesday evening, and I don't know the time yet because uh, we haven't locked it down, but August and I are going to do kind of a prayer service on Wednesday evening. We're gonna live stream it the same way we live stream Sunday morning services. So you can find it that way, but we're going to, uh, to do just like some worship time and some prayer time. Um, and, and so it's, it's something that I think we're going to carry on um, on a week by week basis. But I know that this Wednesday, Holy Week, we're going to be intentional about coming together and, and really just praying and, and, and being a part of this week um, to, with you. And, and we hope it, that you join us then. And then Thursday night was supposed to be our Seder meal, right? And, and many of, raise your hand if you've been to it. Just kidding. Yeah, some people in here haven't. Man, it's such a wonderful night. I love it. I love doing the Seder meal with everybody and, and going through the Haggadah, which is just the telling of the story. And if you've never been to a Seder meal, it's, it's essentially telling the story of the Exodus um, but we see it through, as we've been doing through this series, Ashes, um, through the lens of the gospel, right? And, and so we, we tell the story of Israel coming out of slavery into, into an identity as a family, a, a son or daughter in the family of God. Um, but what does that mean in light of what Jesus did for us? And so on Thursday, what, what I want you to do is, is figure out a way to have a meal, to share a meal with another family. Like virtually, last night I was on with all of my family. We were on Zoom. And uh, we, my, my sister and her family in Dallas, my parents up in Granbury, my brother and his whole family in Austin. And, and it was just so much fun being there and, and, and sharing a moment. We weren't on very long, but it was so great to, to be a part of one another during that time. And, and so there are ways you can do it um, and to just share a meal with another family on Thursday and, and really just sit in the presence of that moment. And maybe you tell a story 
Um, you don't have to, we can send you the Haggadah if you want it. I will, it's, I have it emailable. I can send it to you. Just let, let us know. Um, and you can tell that story or maybe just tell, tell your story um, and, and connect with one another on, on Thursday night. Um, and then on Friday morning, um, the lilies are coming. Um, it's, it's Easter time, right? And so we have lilies and the lilies are coming and uh, we ordered them and I, was ma- I made sure this past week, I was like, whoa, they're still coming, right? And uh, I was uh, giving a thumbs up. So the lilies are coming. We've got about 80 lilies coming and um, we're not putting them in the sanctuary. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to put them um, out by the prayer wall. And those of you who came through to get communion have seen it uh, because you had to drive right by it. But we're just gonna load up the prayer wall with a bunch of lilies. And, and what we want you to do, especially if you're close by, is come take your family picture there, your Easter family picture. Um, it, do it on Friday, Saturday, or, or Sunday. Uh, just dr- keep your appropriate distance, right? If you see someone there, wait in your car and wait your turn. Um, but go up there and, and, and take a picture and then send it to us. Uh, because on Easter Sunday, what I want you to do, uh, we've already learned that there are certain five-year-olds out there who feel like clothes, clothing is optional during this COVID crisis. Um, and it's like, it's gone from Naked Friday to Naked April, you know? Um, and for some of you, you're, you're there, you're like, what's wrong with that? Um, but but what, what I want you to do on Easter is, because one of the things I've been learning about um, working from home, as I'm sure many of you have, and, and one of the things that they tell you is, you know, dress appropriately, at least on top, right? You know, you, you dress for, um, for the moment. And, and so you get up, if you're going to work, dress like you always do when you go to work. And so what I'm gonna challenge you is, on Easter Sunday, dress like you would if you were coming up in here, right? And you were going out to your whatever brunch you were gonna do. Dress for Easter. Uh, you know, put on your pastels, bring out your bow tie, get out your hats, whatever it is, you know. Um, br- dress your family in the way that you would. Now, kids, I know, Pastor Michael just said that, and I know you're really bummed out by that. Um, but steer into that curve for just a little bit, okay? And, and we wanna see those pictures. We wanna, we wanna we're, we're separate right now physically, but as we talked about last week, we're not alone. And so we want you to send us those pictures so we can see as a community how we're celebrating this day. This is Super Bowl Sunday, right? I mean, at Christmas and Advent, that's like the World Series. It just kind of drags on a little bit. But this one, this is the big one. This is Super Bowl Sunday for Easter. And, and man, we celebrate the risen King, all right? So this is a day where you can bring your finest to him. And so I'm challenging you out there Look, if I had a Sears, I was telling the worship team earlier, if I had a Sears sucker suit, I would be rocking it next Sunday. Um, I just, I don't have one. But um, so I would love to see uh, your pictures about how your family is celebrating Easter together. Now, I think I've been through everything that I need to get through. Is that right? I can't see you you all. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, So today is Palm Sunday. And and Palm Sunday is the celebration where you get to hit your siblings with palm branches, right? Right. Um, it's, this, it's this day when it's the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And, and he comes into Jerusalem. And, and if you remember what happens, he comes in and, and people are waving these palm branches around and shouting, Hosanna or Hoshana, Hoshana. And really what they're doing is they're, these are military things that they're doing. The palm branch and, and that Hosanna cry was, was a callback to something that happened with the Maccabees in, in this war when the Jews really rose up and, and militarily ended some oppression that was going on at the time. And, and so these people are calling out to that. But, but Jesus, if you remember one of the translations, he's like, he's weeping because they don't, they don't get it. They understood him to be Messiah and they were right, but they missed 
how Messiah was going to operate. They missed how he was going to engage in the world and what the kingdom would really look like. Over the past many weeks during this Lenten season, what we've been doing is we've been, we've been doing this series called Ashes and, and it's taking us through some darker moments and some experiences, but seeing it through the lens of what Jesus was really going to do in Jerusalem. We see it through this gospel lens, this story of Jesus riding in in this triumphal procession to bring an end to oppression and disease and hunger and thirst, but not in the way that we expected. It was going to be in the way that he needed to bring it. It was going to be in the way of the kingdom of God. And so today we, we, we continue along that, that path. Um, I wanna say it because it's bouncing around in my head right now. You all, if you've been watching me, you know that I have like seven conversations going on at one time. And one of them keeps going, you forgot to say this, you forgot to say this. Um, I, I want, I, I'm so excited because um, about this, clearly we're not good at doing online um, stuff, services. Uh, we, we, had, we didn't have the candles lit for the first service until halfway through. And, um, and then I dropped stu- the pyramid, just went straight off the, the, the deal. And I was like, was that on camera? And Zach's like, uh-huh. I was like, yeah. Um, so we're figuring it out, okay? We're like three, four weeks into this thing. And, and we're making tweaks and changes here and there, but we're so excited uh, that so many people are logging on and, and participating with us. And, and I asked Maggie, um, I was like, hey, where are people watching? And she goes, you mean like in their bathroom or kitchen? And so I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't mean like physically where they are, like that one dude sitting in his bathroom, you know, whatever, that's, that's UBU, as I said. Um, no, I was like, no, 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 I like location, like not address, but like city, state, country, I don't know. And, and so she sent me back the deal and, Man, this is so cool and so exciting. We're, we're in 21 different states. Um, and, and I knew that we'd be in Tennessee because that's where Maggie's family from, New Jersey, because they have that Eastern mafia thing going on as well. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> hope they're not watching today. Um, and, and I knew that there would be some other, and I knew we'd be across Texas because a lot of us have family members that can't be here. And so they're, they're dialing in, but you know, 21 different states are, are, are in. And, and that's, that's so cool and so amazing, this technology where, where God's word can, can go out there. And then um, there, there's a group, there's a UPS pilot um, who's part of our congregation who was in Germany. Um, and he was watching, I think with some of his buddies, uh, not the live stream, but the YouTube deal afterwards. So we were in Germany and then people from Italy and Norway were live streaming us, have been live streaming us. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, apparently they've gotten that desperate. Um, so, hey, we love you. I don't know how to say good morning in Italian. Um, good morning, oh, uh, is that, that's probably, that's probably not right, right? What? Buongiorno, buongiorno, oh yeah, molto bene, buongiorno. Okay, smart girl, how do you say Norway? How do you do Norwegian? <laughs> okay, so, man, we're so excited to have everybody with us. How amazing is it um, that we can just like broadcast Jesus um, everywhere? And it, it, ain't, it ain't about our worship team or me, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about what he did when he goes into Jerusalem and he takes the cross and then three days later, he ain't there anymore, right? He's the, the tomb is empty. That is such an amazing thing. I'm so excited about it. And today, uh, today we, man, this is one of my favorite stories. It's one of those stories that, that pastors love to preach on and they hate to preach on because there's so much packed into it. There's so many, I mean, man, I, I don't know how many times in my um, almost two decades of preaching that I've hit this story, 
but there's something in it today that, that changed everything for me today. And, and actually in between services, Pastor Troy was talking to me and he goes, man, that was amazing how you did that. I was like, what are you talking about? And he said that and I was like, dude, I know that was not me. Like I, that, like I, saw, I saw that, it was, this is a new thing for me. So I'm excited for us to get into this story. It's from Luke chapter 15 um, and it's the story of the prodigal son. And as soon as I say that, we all know it, right? I mean, the, oh yeah, the prodigal son, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Merriam-Webster's dictionary, their definition is largely based, the prodigal is largely based on this story. A lot of this story is used in just our common vernacular, right? The fatted calf, you know, oh, use the prodigal child coming home, you know, let's kill the fatted calf. We always kill the fatted calf for him and all those different things. But, and so there's, there's multiple avenues. One, you know, you have the, there's the prodigal son who obviously is the main character in this story, but there's also the father and there's also the older brother, right? I mean, there's really these three characters in this story that, that Jesus is talking. So it's Luke chapter 15, verse 11. So he says, to illustrate the point further, and we'll get to the point in a second, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now, hear what he's saying, please. Because in, in Israel at this time, when, when a father had children, had sons, the eldest son would get two thirds of the estate. Whatever it is, cash, land, sheep, you know, whatever it is, the, the eldest son would get two thirds of, of the inheritance. The remaining one third would be split amongst whomever is left. Now in this case, there's just one, but it didn't happen until the father dies. And, and so the younger son walks up to the dad and essentially says, I wish you were dead. Give me what is mine. Can you imagine what that must feel like for a dad? Like to have your child or even a mom, to have your child come up to you and go, you know what, I kind of wish you were dead. Can you just give me a whole bunch of money so I can leave you? That, that's what this young boy's doing. He walks up to his dad and he's like, hey, I want mine. And how does the dad respond? The dad says, okay. He agreed to it and he divides his estate and gives to his younger son, the third that would be coming to him. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Who hasn't done that? About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The lowliest thing a Jewish boy could do, a Jew could do would be to feed the pigs, right? The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, and this is a very important verse here, when he finally came to his senses, because what Jesus is trying to tell us is, dude lost his mind, right? I mean, the boy is coming up to his dad. He's like, hey, I want what's mine right now. I wish you were dead. And I'm gonna go off of the path that you have laid out for me. Like, I'm gonna go and be, un Jesus is going, this is uncharacteristic of who this kid is. This is not who he was raised to be. This is not what he knows. He's just lost his mind. He said, but, and he came to his senses. See, this, this is a comforting line for me because 
I've lost my mind multiple times in my life, right? I, I, have, I have lost my senses and I have just lost it and gone, you know what? I think it would be better if I did this. And Jesus is like, no. But when you come back to your senses, I'm still gonna be here, right? How many of us have those moments where we just, we forget who we are and we stop operating. We start operating out of, out of, out of the normalcy of our life and, and the path that God had laid before us. And we start just being crazy. Right? So, so for, for Jesus, this is, this is Jesus saying, there is no one that is outside of my reach. There is no one that my gift of life does not belong to. They just need to come back to their senses. Right? So he says, when, when he comes back to his senses, he said to himself, man, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. So I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You see, he spent his inheritance. He knows that his dad owes him nothing. So he's just coming back saying, just, just let me be a servant in your house. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. I love this line because that, that says that the dad's been watching. The dad's been sitting on the front porch just looking for him. And he sees him coming and he jumps up out of his rocking chair is how I always picture it. And he runs down the road and it says he embraces him and he kisses him and they rejoice together. And, he's, and his son begins to say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And you, you, you remember that he has another line here, right? That there's another verse that, to his plan, like, and, and I just hire me as a servant. But see, what the father does is the father, just like he does for us, is looking for us when we've lost our senses, when we've lost our mind and strayed away from his path. He's waiting for us to just go, oh, wait. And then he runs out to us and we can lay our plans before him, but he doesn't want to hear it. It's not dependent upon that. See, his love that he was gonna shower upon his son didn't matter, his plan didn't matter. It was already there. And the father interrupts him and he says, but quick to his servants, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead. Now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Look it up, it says it right there. And so they began to party. They began to bring in the musicians and, and the wine and the fatted calf and they're having this wonderful thing. And I'm sure the dad is just ugly crying because his son has come home and the son is ugly crying because he's been forgiven and embraced back into the family and to the father's love. But there's one more character of the story, right? And it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he said. And your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. 
The older brother, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once did you offer even a single goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, <laughs> I love that, right? You parents out there, have you, ever, have you ever said that about your child? This daughter, this son, like when your daughter scores the winning soccer goal, you're like, that's my girl, that's my daughter, right? But then when she's the one who, who breaks a window or something or is coloring on the walls, you're like, hey, would you go get your daughter? All of a sudden it becomes somebody else's, right? I mean, this is the mentality because it's his brother, but he's not calling him my brother. He's saying it's your son. He's trying to distance himself from this relationship, right? He, he's trying to, he's just saying, no, 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 your son, this is your fault is what he's implying here. He says, but your son comes back after all, after squandering away your money on prostitutes, which was never mentioned by the way, interesting to think where this older son's head goes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother, right? He's reminding him, for your brother was dead has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. I, I, I love how this ends because you, look, you can look at the, the, the two brothers and you can say one went off and he, and he squandered everything and he was that wild, no rules apply and the other stayed home and he's like the Pharisee, right? He's like, we must do all these things right. I have been going to church. I have been tithing. I have been worshiping. I'm in a prayer group, in a small group. I do all these different things and yet this person gets the same inheritance as I do. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what the kingdom of God is. God didn't give you your inheritance because you did all of those things for him. See, the older son was trying to, to, to do all the right things just to get his dad's stuff. The younger son wanted to do nothing right just to get his dad's stuff. They both were focused on what the dad had rather than the love that he was gonna shower upon them. You see, it's interesting where Jesus puts this story. I, I love it because in, if you've taken the growth track, which we're trying to get online, by the way, um, if you've taken the growth track, you've heard me talk about this, this chapter, Luke chapter 15, because in it, Jesus tells three stories back to back to back about lost things. This is the third one. The first two are about a lost sheep and a lost coin. And then you have the lost son. But there's a big difference between these three stories. In the, in the first two, there's something that exists that doesn't exist in the third story. And Jesus is really making a point because at the very beginning of this, it, it says that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and other notorious sinners is what most translate. Other just dirty people that nobody would hang out with. Jesus was hanging with scum, essentially. More than that, it says, the Pharisees were just astonished by it. But even worse is he was having meals with them. He was eating with them. He was doing this intimate time of sitting around a table and sharing a meal with them. It's like, oh, the Pharisees' minds were blown and Jesus knows this. And so he tells a story and another one and another one. 
And, and what he does is he sets these two stories, this, the sheep and the coin. And what happens in this, if you remember, like there's the 99 sheep and then the one wanders away. What happens to the shepherd? What does he do? He goes to look for the sheep. He leaves the 99 to go and get the one and come back. And when that one is there, what do they do? Woo! Celebrate. Then you have the story of this woman who has a bunch of coins and she loses one of the coins. Falls in the couch crack or something, right? What does she do? She lights some lamps that she probably doesn't have enough money to afford to light those lamps, but she's gonna light the lamps to go look for that one coin. And when she finds that one coin, what does she do? She calls all of her friends. She's like, I found my quarter. Let's have a party. She's like, woohoo. Like she, she rejoices over finding this one thing, but she goes and she does everything she can to find it. Now in this last story, Jesus is really making a point because what doesn't happen? No one goes to find the lost son. No one goes to look for him. And, and hear this, the original hearers of this story would have immediately thought of another story. When you said, because the way that the, the Israelites would think and, and Jewish mind would operate is, when Jesus is telling a story about something, and if you mentioned a number, or if you mentioned a specific word, or if you mentioned a little context, you immediately think, where have I heard that before? Right, and so when he starts telling a story of two brothers, people are immediately gonna think, huh, where was the first time we heard a story about two brothers? And they would jump all the way to the beginning, to Cain and Abel. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Like Cain and Abel, this whole deal goes on and, and God's like, hey, where's your brother? Uh, I don't know, I'm not my brother's keeper. And God's like, um, yeah, you is. This is my translation, clearly. He's like, why aren't you looking for, why aren't you caring for your brother, why aren't you? So when the people hear this story of the brother, they immediately are thinking, why isn't the older brother going to look for his younger sibling who's lost and desperate? It's his job to go out and find him. Why is he just sitting back going, oh, but I'm doing church right, but I'm worshiping, but I'm doing everything you asked me to do, Father, because I want your stuff. And that guy's made his own choice, so he's gone. See, what Jesus is doing is He's answering the Pharisees' questions by saying, yeah, the people that the kingdom of God is for is for anyone who wants to come into the house. And for those that aren't here yet, those who are, get off your hineys and go get them. It's our job. That's, that's what he called us to do. Man. Like, go and find that person that's lost. Let me tell you, there's a lot of lost people right now. There's a lot of hurting people that are scared and don't know what's gonna happen. There's a lot of people that are depressed. There's a lot of people that are jealous. I gotta tell you, jealousy has hit me. Man, I heard some of the stories yesterday about people coming through and what they're doing and oh, we're having family game night and oh, we're trying different recipes and oh, it's so great. And I'm like, because that's not what it is at our house, right? And I'm just like, ah, man, I wish it was that easy, you know? but. But then there's other things that are going on in our life that people are looking at going, man, I wish we could have that. And, and there's just this sense, and I know a lot of people are, are sad and, and lonely and people that are by themselves. And it was just so sweet seeing some of the folks who are just by themselves at home drive through yesterday and just go, oh man, I love you so much. I'm so excited to see you and, and just have that moment, even if it's one side in a car and, and we were on the other side, you know, outside and, and just that moment. Yesterday for the first time in three weeks, I shook someone's hand. I know, I'm like, oh, ah, we cleaned up afterwards. 
but, but I, and it was my father-in-law, right? I, but, but that was the first time I have literally touched someone else and had this sense of just closeness that you get when you're in community. I mean, I, I've had a lot of touching by my children, right? I mean, they're all over me all the time. You all know that, right? Those of you who have a family at home and you're homeschooling and you're trying to do that. Last night, I, I, I was like, Corbin, dude, you're like a, a labradoodle puppy. You're just, you're growing so fast and you're so clumsy. You're knocking stuff over. You have so much energy. He was literally in our kitchen. We have wood floors doing the risky business deal, just running back and like this, back and forth, just at 1030 at night, ping pong and back and forth. I'm like, we have got to take him for a walk. <laughs> like we've got to get that energy out of that boy. That boy is going to drive me insane, right? And he comes up and he wants to see, am I taller than you? Yes, you have been for months. You're still taller than me, you know, and all these different things. And then Grace, man, oh, I love Grace. But she comes up, her, she slaps me on the back. She's like, well, bow. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ah. And she's headbutting me too. And I don't know where the headbutts come from, but they hurt. Um, and so I've been getting physical contact, but it's not the same. And I know a lot of you have the same deal. Like you just feel isolated and you feel alone, even if you're surrounded by people. You have this sense because community's different than family. And, and, and we have this sense of just missing that and missing the people sitting in this room and, and kind of sharing the peace of Christ the way that God intended. And, and there's this sense of just what's gonna happen? Let me tell you, a lot of people, man, I, I know where I am and I know whose house I live in and I know that I belong to the family of God, but there's a lot of people that don't. And so it's my job to go out and to find that lost one. It's my job to go and move. That's exactly what Jesus did. And that's what he was trying to tell us. Look, I came to find you. I came from heaven. I gave up everything to come and to suffer and to know and to die and to conquer death. And then we had a big party because that's what you do, as you celebrate. As you celebrate life, you celebrate that gift of life. You celebrate the body and blood of Jesus Christ. When one comes home, when a thousand come home, whatever it is, because there's enough in the family of God. And so today we, today we celebrate communion, right? And it's, th this is a celebration, it's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of the sacrificial gift that Christ has given us. And so we remember that as he was around the table with the disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take this, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. And after supper was over, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he blessed God. And he said, take this and drink it. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come today acknowledging that this is the body and blood. Wherever you are, if you picked up one of these little packets, if, if you have your own deal going at home, it is the body and blood of Christ. And this is, this is a time of, of deep reverence where it's a sacrament, but boy, it's a time of celebration because we are coming to receive this gift of life. We are the ones who have returned home and God the Father said, bring out the best and let's have a party. And so this morning, as we do this together, look, I know a lot of you got these little cups right here. And, and, and I know it's pretty, I'm not running down the aisle, don't worry. I got way too many comments about that. You're all so funny, by the way. Um, and, uh, and so what I want you to do is that everybody, you have your little cups here. Let's take these cups and, and, and wait for it, okay? Walk with me, because there's, there's two steps to this. There's a wafer on top and then there's, there's the juice down low. And, 
And, and so you, there's two little uh, flaps on this. There's a, a little skinny one that's just like a little plastic film and it has a, a, the purple kind of cross printed on there. And that's, and that's the wafer. And so right now I just want you all to, to peel that first layer back if you would. And so this is the body of, of Christ. And now we all take that body. And then once you have done that, then you pull back that second layer, that foil layer right there. And Baptists help out your other Protestant friends. Um, you pull that um, foil layer back right there. And, and, then, and then we receive this, this blood of Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this gift of life that you have given us. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for giving your life so that we might have ours, for not, for not being willing to let us stay lost, but for like that good shepherd going to find that sheep, for like that woman going to find that coin, but, and unlike that older brother, for doing dropping everything and coming to find us. But at the end of that story is, is the father, the father who's waiting and who's watching and who's ready to jump off his porch and, and run down the road to greet us. So God, wherever we are through this Lenten season as we've experienced life with you and, and looked at some, some dark corners, let us remember that the light from you will extinguish any darkness in this world, that the life that you give us will conquer any death that this world throws at us. And so we thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus, and ask that you would make us be holy and living sacrifices, proclaiming your goodness into a world that needs to hear it. In Jesus' holy name, amen.